0: All right. I'm here with Keith Ergo, head coach of Fordham basketball, also Atlantic 10 coach of the year. I appreciate, you know, the time. I know this is a busy time of year. How are you doing? What a great season. I know we talked about this off air a little bit. Have you had any time to kind of digest what this year was about? Again, a great year for Fordham in year one.
1: Yeah. You know what? um, It's a testament to, to our leadership at Fordham, the new leadership, President Tetlow and obviously the board of trustees and Ed Cole, everybody, aligned and moving in the same direction, uh, an incredible staff that we have here at Fordham um, and we had some great leadership. So, um, you know, I think looking back on it, I I haven't had a a crazy amount of time to to reflect on the season quite yet, just trying to capitalize on it. I did take a couple of days to uh, to kind of take a breather and and spend some time with my family, but that entire time, I really didn't necessarily uh, look back and, and, think about too much what was going on um, this past six or seven months. It was more like, okay, let's let's be focused and try to balance and make sure I spend time with my family, but also realize, you know, this recruiting landscape is pretty nuts now. So, you know, you're already moving on to what's next. You don't even have time to really think about what you, what you did. You use a lot of the talking points from what you accomplished this past season when you're talking to new recruits, but, you know, in today's, kind of uh basketball landscape immediately the next day after we're done it's already you know who's in the transfer portal how do we replace xyz what's going on with our freshmen let's make sure they're prepared and finish in high school strong it just it never really does stop at some point we will take some time to reflect but most of that will be during our recruiting presentations for what's next it's it's uh it's it's a pretty interesting situation but you don't want to be left behind
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, since you're stuck with me anyways, I'll force you to reflect a little bit uh, that you are here. But, you know, obviously you look at your record, you know, I mean, 12-6 and just in conference play. But beyond that, I feel like what you guys did, not just the wins obviously are hard, and people do show up when you win, but you guys created something really special, you know, this year, which I think is hard to do with kids today with all their options. Just, you know, the
1: home court advantage, what
0: you built with that, you know, what was the best part of that for
1: you? You
0: know, just rose- oh my
1: goodness, the Rose thrill and creating some traditions like the shirtless herd and just having people be energized and excited about coming to games and, and Fordham basketball. Um, it was just, um, it was electric. And when you have guys like Archie Miller, Archie Miller who were at Indiana, when you guys had, you know, Frank Martin who was at South Carolina and, and Kent state and so many other places. And then, you know, guys like Mark Schmidt have been in the league for a long time come in and all of them have said, this is about as good of an environment you'll find in college basketball, certainly in the Atlantic 10. To have those veteran coaches and guys that I respect and admire say those types of things about our home court, you know, it goes a long way. And it means a lot to the fan base. It means a lot to the future of, of Fordham athletics and Fordham basketball and you know, for all those folks that said you couldn't do it or that it can't be possible at Fordham, you know, they got to see firsthand that, you know, it is possible. Whether or not we can maintain some consistency, that, that obviously is something we'll have to, to work extremely hard to do. But, you know, last season was um, any indication of what could be, you know, not a whole lot of people are going to want to come in Rose Thrill and play.
0: Yeah. No, and I feel like, you know, you talked about a recruiting tool. You know, I think obviously kids would, you know, they die to play in an environment like that, but beyond just the environment, you know, you guys had, you know, obviously Darius, you had more, you know, second and third team respectively, uh, all Atlantic 10. Again, a testament to what you and your staff are able to do in terms of developing, but also for individuals to excel at Fordham. How big is that for you to have those two guys, not just what they did, but again, perform at the level they did.
1: Yeah, I mean it's massive, especially when you talk about recruiting, and, and and it shows that our player development is is as good as anybody else, and our staff I think is one of the best in the country because they really care about the people that they're working with, not just you know themselves trying to to use Fordham as a stepping stone. They love where they're at. They love the development of of uh, of our players. The relationships they have with our players are absolutely fantastic. Um, Personally, I think Darius Kusenberry should have been first team and and Khalid Moore should have been second team, if anything. And I definitely think Will Richardson got absolutely robbed when it comes to all rookie team. Very few freshmen did what he did. Our record speaks for itself when he was in the starting lineup. No disrespect to anybody else who was on it, but there's no way that he didn't deserve to be on it. But to see guys like Kyle Rose who have stuck through, you know, the, the hard times at Fordham, you know, be here for four years and the the, the struggles they had in the first and second year of his career and then COVID and all of a sudden be added to, you know, the all defensive team, you know, to see all of those things take place, um, you know, it just shows that, you know, Fordham can be a a place where guys can come and develop and and have a chance to um, to get to the next level and to be recognized within the, the Atlantic 10 and um, I think it's just the beginning because I think the talent that we have currently on our roster and the kids that are coming in uh, have the ability to, to really take us to the next level. And as they see, we were able to take, you know, Khalid and Darius and these guys and continue to work with them and, and see their numbers increase dramatically uh, individually. And then obviously as a team, it's very exciting for certain guys, especially in the transfer portal that think they might want to come on back home and, you know, get a master's from one of the best institution, academic institutions in the country and also have a chance to play very high-level basketball. Yeah.
0: And this is – you know, you're, this really will be kind of your first true, you know, complete off-season, if you want to call it that. You know, you had mentioned, you know, some things earlier, but kind of what is the focus for you in terms of, like you said, kind of maintaining this level of play and also building on the environment and, and the momentum you built?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's – it, it's to continue the, the player development for sure, to make sure that, you know, our experienced guys who are coming back, take the next step in their leadership. I thought last year was tremendous um, with regards to our locker room being as connected as, as any I've ever been a part of. And, the, and it, it didn't start like that. The same, you know, the two years ago when we were 500, I think one of the reasons why we couldn't take the next step, obviously you need to have a really, really good talent, but also, I think we were more coaches led than players led this past season. We were led within that locker room and you can see, and I think our current roster sees the difference when the players are holding each other accountable, as opposed to when coaches are only ones holding players accountable. So really creating leadership opportunities for this next, next um, set of, of upperclassmen and returners is really important because I think they've experienced what it means when players are holding each other accountable. So for the spring and summer, it's creating environments where guys step up and become leaders and, and continue to develop individually, but also collectively, you know, um, a lot of uh, kind of team-building activities, I believe, are really important. We did a lot of that last summer, and I think it really paid off. So continuing those same, same exercises is really important for our program.
0: I love it. And, you know, last last question, just in terms of the A ten as you know, as a whole, obviously, you know, in terms of NCA tournament, maybe a little bit of a down year. With that being said, though, you know, I look at the talent coaching specifically. Obviously, you know, you're obviously in that group. A lot of new coaches this past year kind of building their programs, kind of just the health of the league. Um, where you see the A ten kind of moving forward, especially in regards to the coaches, because I do think it's a great, you know, a great conference with good coaches that are just getting started.
1: Yeah. I, I, honestly, I think, um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that we only got one team in and one, only other, one other team invited to the NIT. I think it's absolutely insane. And and you're starting to see some of the absurdity with, with some of the, the, the prestige that, you know, some, uh, some of the leagues have gotten they're weighing, you know, games in November and while well, like, it they say they don't, but it's clear as day that they're weighing teams in November and December, wins and losses during those periods of time, you know, so heavily, which is ridiculous because the landscape has been created where it's impossible for us to get games on a regular basis with any I major programs. And anybody who says any different isn't, isn't making the phone calls that we're making. You know, you have all these leagues that um, – you know they have 20 game league seasons plus MTEs. You know guys plus plus the one offs like the Gavit games or the the, ch- the whatever challenges there are. You know power five teams get to 24 to 25 games before they even start thinking about you know their non conference opponents, and as a result, nobody wants to play uh, a GW or Rhode Island you know during if they got five or six opportunities to play teams where they feel like they got to work on things or whatever it might be you know it's almost impossible for us to get opportunities to go play at these play these big teams where we can consistently prove ourselves but it's even more difficult because they're saying if you don't win those games in november or december well then you know you haven't you don't have any quad one or whatever it might be yeah. it just I, I don't know what the formula seems to be but i do know that there are some high level players and ridiculously good teams certainly in, in february march because of the coaches you have so many fantastic coaches in this league that do such a great job very few teams in our league weren't playing the best basketball they were capable of playing at the end of february and that's why you saw the parody throughout the league be as good as it was everybody says it was a down year no in today's world when you look at the transfer portal you know It takes a little while to get your team connected and playing at the highest of levels it could potentially play. I think they need to start weighing a little bit more on how teams are doing late January, February, into March, as opposed to how they did in November and December. It makes no sense. You want the best teams playing their best basketball in the greatest show on earth. Not teams that were really successful in November, December, and then 500 in league, but they're all, you know, it just, I don't know. it just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me because you're not having the best teams and the best players play in the best sporting event there is. So um, I could go on and on about how disappointed I was that the Atlantic Ten was treated, but it's outrageous in my opinion.
0: No, I agree. Well, and then I won't get you off. I know it's been talked about with the NIT, which is absolutely ridiculous, but no, I agree. But so you, I mean, I can't imagine you'd have trouble getting people next year to come into Rose Hill.
1: Well, we certainly hope not. Uh, we certainly hope not. well you're talking about yeah, that's an example. Of yeah, meaning no, like no a home gonna advantage gonna,
0: like that. No high major is going to take it. Take even a risk. No, you know what I mean? It's just not even close. So.
1: no, and and honestly, they, they wouldn't come to us, and if we don't come to them, and, and they won't even really invite us to come to them. So we've offered, you know, let's go to let's go to a neutral site. Let's go to the Barclays. Let's go to the Garden. We can get into those places. They don't want to do that either um, because nobody, none of them want to play an Atlantic 10 team during the non-conference unless they have to because it doesn't make a whole lot of – it's a lose-lose for them. Now, most fans don't realize that. And they're like, "Ah, oh, you need to schedule this. You need to schedule that. Well, it's like, no, people won't play us. We've reached out to everybody you could possibly reach out to. You know, if they believe it's going to be a very difficult non-conference game for them, and they even might squeak they might win or or they might lose but there's a 50 50 especially early on in the year that they might they know it could cost them dramatically they're not going to do it and and as a result it puts us in a really difficult situation people get really upset and you know at our scheduling for this and that but it's it's extremely difficult to schedule nowadays and you know, obviously it was well-documented, Chris Mooney's, you know, talk about, you know, to John Rothstein and all that kind of good stuff. But, you know, it's reality. It's very difficult. Yeah, oh, without a doubt.
0: Well, listen, I know, you know, in terms of the health of the league and what you guys did, it was great just to watch. Uh, great to see, you know, excited for kind of Fordham basketball moving forward. with Kind of you at the head of that. So, you know, I appreciate the time. Do you have any skin in the game? relationship in terms of the NCA remaining any feelers that you know you want this team or just enjoying the basketball?
1: No, I'm just enjoying the basketball. I think there's so many really good, um, really good teams. There's, and as everybody's starting to see the parody is through the roof because of COVID and and certain teams that are really old um and have incredible guard play. I just think a, a team like Alabama that's got, you know, Pretty much every position filled on the basketball court, including a great bench and older guys, I, they're going to be really difficult to beat because of their experience, their level of talent, and their depth. And but it, it, you know, there's so many different teams that can pull it off because it's anybody can win on any given night, especially when you got older guys. Princeton's going to be really exciting to watch because they are filled with really good, experienced players uh, that play really well together, so they could be fun.
0: Absolutely. No, I, I love the Ivy league. I feel like they're always talk about the metrics never favor anything with the Ivy at all. And they're, they got yeah. some great teams in that league, but uh, again, thank you, Keith. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll be in touch.
1: Appreciate you guys. Have a great one.